Hi, I'm Danielle Fetter. I'm Alexandra Lee, and we're the co-hosts of Partial View Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Partial View Podcast, episode 16, all about TikTok musicals. We're so excited to be here to talk about TikTok musicals today. And we have an awesome guest. Alex, do you want to introduce him? Absolutely. We are so pumped to have Trevor Buffoni here on the podcast. Trevor went viral in 2019 and hasn't looked back. His work using TikTok and Instagram with his students has been featured on Good Morning America, ABC News, Inside Edition, and Access Hollywood, among numerous national media platforms. His work as a social media expert has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, LA Times, Forbes, The Atlantic, and NPR. Trevor has published two books on social media and popular culture, and has two forthcoming books exploring theater marketing on social media. And we're so pumped that he's here to chat with us today. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to nerd out on some theater. Yes, 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 yes. Before we get into that, we like to do just like a little icebreaker chatting about something that we're enjoying lately. It doesn't have to be theater. It could be like a book or a TV show. We, for a while, we weren't promoting or really trying to highlight SAG work because of the strike. Or WGA, but then now both strikes have ended. So everything is fair game. Yes. Danielle, I know what, I see what yours is. And I'm really pumped to talk about it because I also just binged it. Amazing. So (laughs) regular listeners of this podcast will know that I have been on a real reality show kick and have shouted out various like highbrow, lowbrow reality TV over the past several months. And we've got another one for you today. And that is The Golden Bachelor. Um, I have never watched a single moment of anything in the bachelor or bachelorette Mm -hmm. franchise before this and i still don't think i will but i am enjoying this Mm -hmm. immensely um i think what i keep saying is like oh this is so much more interesting when it isn't like a 23 year old advertising exec hoping to settle down Mm -hmm. you know these are people with like actual life experience and actual personality and hobbies and families like so many of them are dealing with grief which is so fascinating to watch i i have seen bits of the bachelor bachelorette over the years and i found the hometown episode really interesting because you were suddenly meeting grandkids like not just parents and siblings. right right this made right. the hometown the, so interesting. the stakes are much higher yeah and it almost and felt cruel yeah. You know, yep. to meet the grandkids, the kids, mm-hmm. and they want their mom yeah. to be happy and move on mm-hmm. from the grief. And then they don't and get their was, rose. <laughs> and it's also like someone in their like early to mid 20s doesn't really have like roots down somewhere. So the geography yeah. of like where the bachelor or the bachelorette lives versus the contestants, mm-hmm. it's it matters so much less. But like these women like have really deep roots and like very established lives nowhere near where gary lives yeah i was thinking a lot about that that's like that's just absolutely wild it's i was talking with my friends because we were on vacation and we were just binging it while we like did a 1000 piece puzzle um beautiful (laughs) 
wild girls trip. And we were talking about how, like, at best, you know, Gary and his future partner are going to have, like, what? Maybe, like, around 30 years left. And, like... At most. At at most. At at very most. (laughs) It's not really, like forever and ever i don't know i love it i love it so much and i again i like you danielle i have no desire to like really sit down and watch the bachelor and the bachelorette but i will watch the golden bachelor or the golden bachelorette if that comes to it alex what about you oh i was gonna let trevor go next if trevor yeah I have been re-watching older stuff and i just rewatched the entire five seasons of broad city Yes. Which I yes. religiously watched when it came out. Mm-hmm. I cried every episode laughing. And by the end of it, I cried like sad tears, right? Or those like happy sad tears because I, mm-hmm. I felt like I knew these people and they were friends of mine, although I don't actually want to be friends with them. Uh, but rewatching it, it has aged so well, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like funny. I think it's like the quintessential millennial New York show. We actually shouted out Broad City uh, two episodes ago. Yeah, for our wicked 20th anniversary episode. It was as a piece of media that really highlights female friendship and centers. Yeah, it. I see it. Yeah. I also must say the Sleep No More episode where oh, their yeah. like friendship sort of unravels, like destroyed me. <laughs> it really like that show. I miss that show. It really got into like the nooks and crannies of female friendship and you know their birthright episode is oh my god (laughs) i personally love the like we're going to a wedding in connecticut episode (laughs) oh that's funny too um so i was not able to talk about the tv show i was binging when like for the past three months because of the sag strike I started it when while we were on our little summer hiatus that we took and I finished it last night. I have now seen all of Jane the Virgin and Jane the Virgin is an incredible show. Would this be a bad time to confess something? Yeah. That I've never seen a single minute of Jane the Virgin. It is truly excellent. I hadn't either before August, you know? So I'm just saying it's there on Netflix. Should you desire it? Um, I don't know if you ever watched Ugly Betty. Which, uh, both both shows are based on on telenovelas and the, it's not just that like I think that because of that there is kind of the shared DNA and shared humor I think that Jane the Virgin is a little more outlandish than Ugly Betty at least that I remember Ugly Betty because I did watch it like in college in, like high school college Jane the Virgin is incredible the entire cast is stellar um, I will say everyone warned me about the writing in the last season and like fair. I mean it's like the kind of warning you give fair. when someone starts the West Wing and you're like FYI Aaron Sorkin leaves after this season and you're gonna notice yeah yeah or Gilmore Girls in the final season and things like that um, but I had the best time watching it and I just think it was really impeccable television for at least the first few seasons highly recommend I I wish I could. Er- it's one of those shows I wish I could erase from my brain mm-hmm. and watch again. Jane the Virgin. Oh, I'm really sad it's over. Yeah, it's really like, I think it subverts a lot of expectations or preconceived notions people will have about the mm-hmm. show just based on the title and the premise. Yeah, I'm going to miss it. I need a new, like, more fun show to watch because everything else is a little, like, everything else I'm watching right now is, like, super dramatic. So I got to pick out a new, like, fun, more fun show. You know, coming out of 
2020, I basically only want to watch mm-hmm. funny stuff. <laughs> like, I used to get into a drama, but now I just want to laugh. Mm. I'm a weirdo in that after I've, like, spent a solid eight hours of work and, like, having my brain squeezed out by capitalism, I actually want to watch dramas. But then on the weekends, I'm like, give me cross-stitch and a comedy, baby. Yeah. (laughs) So I watch both. Amazing. All right. Solid recommendations all around. Television is beautiful. Congratulations to SAG. Oh, I love TV. Congratulations to SAG. Great work, Fran Drescher. (laughs) Super exciting times. Well, we're here not to talk about television all day. But to talk about a smaller screen, a smaller screen, a more condensed time frame. We're here to talk about TikTok. Some of specifically, we want to chat about some of the musicals or musical theater related pieces that came out of TikTok collaborations during the pandemic, really. Remy, the <laughs> That's what I was just telling Alex, like right before you signed on, is that um, I was remembering that specific TikTok as the origin of the Ratatouille musical, of the Ratatoussical. Mm. Yeah, I remember um, that. And how like it wasn't in any way meant to be like, I'm creating an adaptation of Ratatouille. It was someone just singing something silly with a voice filter. Yeah. Yeah, there was no intention to create this insane phenomenon, but here we are doing a podcast on it. So Alex, do you want to give just a brief overview of sort of the three examples? We already, we named one of them Ratatouille, but the other two that you've identified? So a little bit, I think, before Ratatouille kind of started, they overlapped. The first kind of musical piece that I remember seeing on the internet that was making its way around TikTok was the supermarket musical or the grocery store musical. And that became viral because people were overlapping parts as if they were both people and inanimate objects in the supermarket aisle. As if it was it was kind of like a parody of an act one closer where everybody's themes and desires all come through. And it's all in big counterpoint, like one day, the end of one day more giant counterpoint. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that emerged at like the end, near like the end of 2020, like fall into winter. Yeah, it was, I believe, August. Oh, was it? Okay. Or August, September 2020. Who knows what time is, honestly. Then it like end of 2020 and into early 2021, everyone was watching the Bridgerton series on Netflix, the adaptation of the Julia Quinn Bridgerton uh, Regency romance novels. And two songwriters, um, Barlow and Bear, started presenting ideas for a Bridgerton musical on TikTok. These also went viral, and in a strange twist of events, uh, they even recorded a quote-unquote cast album that won a Grammy, and later on there were plans for, there was a concert production at the Kennedy Center, and there were later plans for a concert production of this musical, but unfortunately there was a cease and desist. Doom, doom, Um, doom. Yeah, <laughs> from Netflix. Um, because to be the con- because the concert they had collaborated with Netflix for an agreement on you know the, the or the Grammy award winning album, 
but they were using dialogue lifted from the Bridgerton series for the concert, and that's not okay. So (laughs) we are very much anti-plagiarism on this podcast. And also, I think I've said this on the podcast before. So I I was working at the Kennedy Center at the time. Um, I was not really involved. That being said, I'm not going to divulge anything. (laughs) This is not a tell-all. So that's kind of just a little bit of a background on the the specific pieces that we want to really like delve into with Trevor today. I think it's really interesting that... Ratatouille and Bridgerton were both these pandemic pieces that kind of emerged as like, well, we're talented and we got time on our hands. Yeah. And TikTok is where we find collaborators. I don't know. I I find it very interesting. I'm not really on TikTok. Yeah. Well, I mean, Ratatouille and Bridgerton at the end of the day are the sexiest examples of what musicals can be on TikTok and how they can Mm. come into being. Mm -hmm. But they're not the only examples, right? No. And... We're talking about 2020 into 2021, I guess, into 2022 with the case of Bridgerton. Mm. But there was a lot happening before, which set the table for these things mm-hmm. to actually happen in 2020. That's really interesting because um, maybe this is just because of me not being on TikTok. But I would love to know more like specifically like what you're saying. Yeah, I agree because I didn't join TikTok until like I do use it. I, I watch it more than I create. I don't create TikToks, but I didn't join until like probably the summer of 2020 when most millennials mm-hmm. joined. We we love a millennial here. So TikTok came out in the United States in August 2018. And it was, so it's owned by ByteDance, which is a Chinese conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to enter the US and North America at large. And they couldn't because US already had an app that teenagers were using which was the target demographic, right. and that was Musical.ly. Musical.ly was extremely popular with young people. There were millions of users. They were called musers, and they would do these short skits or lip syncs. Think of it like very early TikTok. And so ByteDance buys Musical.ly, and they fold it into what becomes TikTok. So like overnight, if you did the app update in August 2018, you were all of a sudden on TikTok. If you had... Whatever the followers you had, they were your now followers on TikTok. And this group of people, these young people, very much were doing musical theater trends in 2018, 2019. So if you were on TikTok in 2019, you could not avoid Hmm. Beetlejuice the musical. You could not avoid Heathers Mm -hmm. the musical Mm -hmm. or Six. Those were like the three big ones that just, I mean, dominated. If you look at the numbers... For if you go look up on TikTok from six, for instance, Catherine Howard's song mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or Anne Boleyn's song, they have hundreds of thousands of videos that are made with those songs. In the case of Heather's, uh, the uh, big fun, Martha Dumptruck in the flesh. Here comes the cootie squad. Shut up, Heather. Sorry, Heather. Look who's with her. Oh my God. Dang, dang. I'm going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> anyway, that one has over a million videos with just that song. So these were all over the place. And in the case of Beetlejuice, it actually resurrected the show. So Beetlejuice opened on Broadway That's and it true. had extremely yeah. middle of the road reviews. No raves, no pans, but just kind of meh. And it wasn't really selling. It wasn't really a commercial success. It became a massive phenomenon on TikTok when Alex Brightman, uh, Presley Ryan, and different members of the cast, like Leslie Kritzer, but they were making backstage TikToks where they were doing... TikTok trends in costume. And these went mega viral. And teenagers all of a sudden were interested in Beetlejuice. 
And mm-hmm. when they went to New York with their parents or where they got Christmas presents and Broadway tickets, it was Beetlejuice. And so it actually Beetlejuice up until the shutdown in March 2020, the, the COVID shutdown, uh, began turning a profit. It was They were making money. They were making good money. And then they actually, they got music manned, everyone. But mm-hmm. um, essentially you had TikTok take a musical from the brink of closure to a financially stable place. And in the case of Heather's, it very much sort of re- rejuvenated the life of this musical, mm-hmm. led to the London production that ran for a few years or so on that just closed. And Six, of course, is like the internet sensation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, we were also talking so about Six things... recently because I was at Edinburgh Fringe, so we did an episode on Fringe. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. like the probably the one of the biggest, other than Fleabag, but as far as Broadway, one of the biggest Fringe success stories. Oh, yeah. That people know about. Yeah, absolutely. That's fascinating. I had forgotten about Musical.ly. I (laughs) vaguely remember it. It's tucked into a place in the far back of your brain. Yeah, I know people whose, like, nieces were on it as little kids. Yeah. So in my my books, but especially in my book that's coming out next year, it's called TikTok Mm -hmm. Broadway Musical Theater Fandom in the Digital Age. I really get into this sort of like lineage and I, I talk That's about Beetlejuice cool. and Six and Heathers. And those were the three big ones until 2020 when things radically shifted on the app, right? And so y'all both share that that's when you joined TikTok. Yeah, I actually I actually joined in 2019. Okay, hmm. okay, big flex. Because <laughs> well, well, one of my friends was like, have you heard about TikTok? My husband and I spend hours trying to like nail down the dances that everyone's doing on TikTok. And I was like, I don't know what this is. And I just like, it never jived with me. And then I like tried to do it for like a couple days. And I just always had trouble like getting my For You page to like be for me. And it just wasn't my jam. And then everyone joined in March, 2020. And I tried again and it just it's never stuck with me i wait for tiktoks to come to instagram reels sorry <laughs> so you like inter- are you on internet explorer right now too <laughs> drag no, her honestly if you, can avoid, <laughs> if you can avoid any social media platform go for it yeah <laughs> yeah my life would be better without it <laughs> i know right it's like it's kind of like a necessary evil at this point yeah, I work in communications and social media marketing, so unfortunately I am trapped. <laughs> oh, I mean, I literally, my yeah. jobs are all social media linked, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also trapped. But that's really interesting to, like, so it sounds like, I mean, I don't want to get, like, into, like, a generational debate, but it sounds like Gen Z was, like, on top of it, like, knew what TikTok was for. It was for creating musicals. <laughs> like, Well, Gen Z <laughs> loves musicals. Mm-hmm. marketers don't want to acknowledge this people uh-huh. the olds mm-hmm. don't want to acknowledge it but i've taught high school i taught mm-hmm. university i i teach university and they like musicals they're way more open to a musical than say people were 20 years ago or like when i was in high school in the yeah. early 2000s yeah. yeah and so for instance i remember after in the heights the film came out i did a screening mm-hmm. at my school for my students. And so it was my students and all of the theater students, like theater one, tech one, whatever. And we're in the auditorium and there's about 120 kids at any moment watching this. And the part of uh, Blackout when Usnavi and Vanessa fight, which was a viral TikTok phenomenon. Yes. It comes on 
and every kid starts singing. None of these kids knew In the Heights. They don't really know Limo Miranda. They don't care about musicals, but they know this sound might from TikTok. They associate oh, it with a trend. They, Vanessa. Mm. I'm not even joking. And it happened again the next year. Mm. And so this is the world they live in, where even if they don't love musicals, there's something that they engage with. And when you go to TikTok, maybe not today, but especially 2019, 2020, 2021, well, actually, for that matter, today as yeah, well. Yeah, I still see like Heather's <laughs> Beetlejuice, yeah. all of those shows you They're mentioned everywhere. constantly. But also, yeah. that's so interesting that you point out that they like they knew this moment from In the Heights because it was a trending audio on TikTok, but they didn't know In the Heights or Lin-Manuel Miranda. But meanwhile, like maybe it's just my algorithm, my For You page, but it's like I've seen so much Gen Z shitting on Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, oh, yeah. And like... Well, and yeah. Hamilton and like so so I'm just it's it's surprising to me to hear that like by and large in your experience they don't actually know who he is or have much familiarity um when mm-hmm. I feel like I guess it's just my for you page giving me that impression well I think the Lin-Manuel Miranda question is in a different episode <laughs> yeah. the Lin-Manuel Miranda question <laughs> But you know, I think we can look at this with nuance, but Mm -hmm. Lynn, I think this is a whole nother thing, but my theory is that people don't like seeing people have fun and have joy in their life. Oh yeah. People hate earnestness. Right. Because I think he's genuine. He's so, yes. I met him. I met him. Yeah. And the way I met him was kind of weird. I saw him. I saw the Hamlet. The Hamlet. Yay, Hamlet. (laughs) Hashtag gay Hamlet. I saw Hamlet. Hamlet. Yay. No, I saw Hamilton at the public. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was like a Sunday night performance. And after the show, we're in the lobby of the public. And the stage door, like, is the lobby. Mm -hmm. But I'm not a stage Mm -hmm. door person. So I was sitting or standing on the other side of the lobby. I was nowhere near the stage door people. And he finishes the stage door and, like, talks to, like, I don't know, whoever, Karen Olivo. And then walks across the lobby to me and introduces himself like, hey, I'm Lynn. Thanks for coming to the show. Yada, yada. And I was like, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. But it was like a very genuine, like you could tell he was being him, like a genuine. Yeah. He was doing something that was normal to him, right? Being like kind and nice and caring. Anyway, so people don't like that. But they love TikTok. <laughs> But I was going to say is another example from my high school class. I remember it was like two years ago and I was playing. I play music when the students would come in and every day is a different theme day. And I was playing the six cast recording. And so I'm like dancing, like divorced, beheaded, died, yada, yada. And a student came in and said, oh, Dr. Buffoni, why are you playing TikTok music today? Ah. And I was like, hold on. Six is TikTok music to you? That's really interesting. That's so funny. One of the observations that I made when I was thinking through what we were going to chat about on this episode is that a lot of this musical theater related content I have absorbed from TikTok kind of, especially with like the creation of new stuff, like we were talking about Ratatouille, Bridgerton, et cetera, pokes fun at the genre of musical theater a little bit. Like, that seems to be at the core of, like, where these creators are coming from. And I know it feels like, like, the stakes are so low that they can kind of, like, 
go wherever, do whatever, which is like also a whole conversation about creating things on the internet in general. Well, TikTok has its own set of aesthetics, Mm -hmm. its own culture, Mm -hmm. and all of that goes back to Gen Z. So 2018, Mm -hmm. TikTok comes out. It's a primarily Gen Z app. We're talking, I was on it, but I was the teacher. There was the dentist. There was the lawyer. For the most part, 98% of the people you would see would be under the age of like 23. And so with that, Gen Z set the culture of the space. And Gen Z loves self-deprecating humor. Mm -hmm. They love idiosyncratic humor, Mm -hmm. silly humor, and that sort of thing dominates TikTok. But that self-deprecating humor very much is related to the way that they see humor in the way you engage with musical theater, the way you make musical theater on TikTok. So that background was super interesting. and that, But I see that as like musical theater fandom on TikTok or like adjacent yeah. people that like are yeah. engaging with these these viral clips without actually really understanding or particularly caring that they're from a musical um mm-hmm. and interesting into yeah. Yeah, i call these in my book stealth musicals mm-hmm. um, <laughs> love that and shifting from no. that into like tiktok <laughs> as this like generative space like mm-hmm. so not the um clip from blackout from in the heights being used as audio and yeah. things but like creating new like a, a new sh- a new platform for composers to showcase their work and for collaboration that's like that's generative and i think something that i was noticing over the course of these like three examples that we outlined earlier is it's like there's kind of to me a clear but also like very interesting progression where like the supermarket or grocery store musical it's like that's almost a misnomer because it was only one song or like one passage of a song that was just being layered and layered and layered and layered and it was really just it never developed into something new or further it always was the thing it started as it was always the same joke but like uh, what's the term? Well, it was a t- it was a meme. Yeah, essentially, it was mm. a musical meme. Yeah. Each iteration of it heightened it further. Mm. Yeah. yeah, 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 and yeah. That then you have Ratatouille, and it started with a joke that had just like a silly thing that had nothing to do with saying, "Hey, you know what? Like Ratatouille is interesting IP, and I'd like to adapt it." It was, and I'm going to create original no. music around this. <laughs> It was something extremely silly that people then treated kind of like the supermarket musical and iterated on it and turned it into this like ensemble number of mm-hmm. like Remy the Ratatouille, which is also funny because it's like people pointing out that's Remy's the rat. The Ratatouille is the food. You're this doesn't make any sense. And then just <laughs> deciding to lead into that. Um and or is it Remy comma right I also saw that I also saw different interpretations of it where like no 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 I can make it work like like I'm I'm stepping in as the book writer here and I'm gonna you know and um then from there as that was taking off and there was discourse around it as this one song Mm -hmm. other individual composers started to pop in and say 
hey, so like I expanded on this musical motif or I actually I've written a song for for Remy. I've written a song for uh, I don't remember the character's name, but the food critic. I've written a song like Mm -hmm. um, I've written a song for this moment and this moment. And then it really became this collab like really widespread collaboratively written more complete adaptation of something that was almost like you know in terms of a comparison to something that's actually been like fully produced and fully realized is like the spongebob musical where it was like every song was a different composer and somehow against all odds it worked and then oh yeah a progression further bridgerton it's like okay no like i'm going to we are the writers of this we are this one Mm -hmm. writing team this duo we are writing it we are putting songs out and what we are asking for is not for people to write more but for different performers to iterate on it well and what's interesting about ratatouille and bridgerton is that they got so big and the numbers got so high on TikTok that the powers that be took notice of it. Both for Disney kind of like collaborating on board for the benefit presentation of Ratatouille and then Netflix gave their blessing for Bridgerton to record their music and sell it for money. And win a Grammy. That's and win a Grammy like that's actually huge like me being a fan studies nerd like coming at it from like the perspective of fan history and fan created content and the history of the of things getting produced on this scale that's kind of mega I was really um shocked to see how both of these things developed like really quickly chronologically close to each other Oh, yeah. And they sort of changed the culture on TikTok and changed the culture of how the musical theater industry viewed TikTok. For sure. Absolutely. I have a question for you since you're like the expert on TikTok, Trevor. When did duetting become a thing? Like, when did they add the duet feature to TikTok? So the duet feature, which is where if someone allows it on their profile, people can make a video that is side by side with theirs, which is what happened with Grocery Store, the musical. Mm -hmm. But that's always been a part of TikTok. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Yeah. All right. And duetting in that way that Grocery Store happened was very common before Grocery Store. Yeah. Oh, were you able to duet, like, duet, a duet, a duet, a duet, a duet? So there were suddenly, like, 12 boxes? Yes, you could do a string of duets. Mm. So there was a trend, I remember, there was this song could not sing it for you. But basically what you would do is you would do it yourself every day. You would start with like zero energy. And by the 10th video, you're at like 400 level percent energy. Right. Um, And it's like side by side and it gets smaller. The videos get smaller as they get older, if that makes sense. Um, So it was quite common. Mm, Now grocery store took that technology and that culture, that like silly idiosyncratic culture but they took that and just ran with it so we had 2019 the table was set musical theater is a part of tiktok culture 2020 we have daniel mertzloft who is an actual composer yes Mm -hmm. i think that's the thing that a lot of people miss is that the ratatouille folks were all composers well right they all Mm -hmm. wrote music 
it wasn't just teenagers in their rooms like blah, 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 blah. They actually were teenagers or young 20-something-year-olds with talent, with, with theater degrees, people who wanted to make musicals. And so Grocery Store was Daniel Mertzloff's silly little thing. The video's like, what, 30 seconds? 25 seconds. It's like half and of a chorus. standing in a grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it became this phenomenon. It was written about, you know, on like Playbill.com. The videos achieved their own level of, I would say like micro vir- virality. And then the Ratatouille phenomenon just like broke it open. Right. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was also Daniel Martzloft. It was the same person. Mm. So essentially you had... Jacobson, her first name. She's the kindergarten teacher, but she's the one who made the Remy the Ratatouille. Mm -hmm. She made that video in the summer of 2020. She was bummed because Disney was closed and she wanted to go ride the Ratatouille ride at Epcot. And Mm. it was pushback and she couldn't go to Disney World. COVID. She makes this Mm -hmm. silly video. She uses the green screen to put pictures of Remy. There's text. It's super silly. A few weeks later, Brittany Broski, who is very, very popular TikToker, she used the sound. Then it blew up. Mm-hmm. Someone commented, tagged Daniel Mertzloft and said, hey, is this the next grocery store musical? Mm-hmm. And he was like, I remember this. Yeah. fuck around and find out. <laughs> and so he writes, he takes Jacobson's song and he orchestrates it in the style of a Disney musical. We're talking like yep. Alan Menken, mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, Hunchback of Notre Dame. And he, uh, on the screen, he actually puts the text saying like, this is what would happen. Remy's on a yes. list. Yeah. Uh, confetti cannons. And it sounds very catchy. Also, Ratatouille is a movie that everyone has seen or everyone knows about. So it's something immediately recognizable. And it's silly it's stupid it doesn't make sense it shouldn't exist the lyrics remy the ratatouille (laughs) eat the ratatouille not the remy it's i just find it really funny we've commented on the podcast a couple times before about the lack of monoculture in american culture these days and it's almost like at that time in pandemic like we were all reading different things watching largely different things but tiktok somehow made Ratatouille and I would say Bridgerton also like part of the monoculture, like the TikTok versions of these stories kind of became like a monoculture. They were. Like it, it's course. wild when that that was like, oh, yeah. like it, and it I mean, blows it, my mind. It blows my mind. It's exactly how TikTok works. So something I write about yeah. is that essentially the process of crowdsourcing mm-hmm is what created this musical. And mm-hmm. TikTok, what it does, especially for musical theater development, is it's largely free. I mean, the platform mm-hmm. is free. Right. Of course, yes. labor is not free. But the platform is free, and also it can connect people in real time. So you had composers in Australia, yep. United States, mm-hmm. Canada, all over, that were able to have a conversation in real time. And the way that songs rose to the top was through virality. So essentially, by people watching, liking, engaging, commenting, so on and so forth, sharing, they were able to boost a video's engagement, which helped those songs become part of the canon, right? So there were songs that were not good. Mm -hmm. There were songs that were, but they didn't dramaturgically tell the story in the most efficient way. And so those didn't rise to the top. 
And so essentially we had this pool of actual composers write these short songs. At this point, you couldn't share more than 60 seconds on TikTok. Clips of song. Yeah. And people, just like y'all were saying, they would take these songs that became viral, that became part of the score, and they mm-hmm. would say, oh, here are the costumes. Here's the set. Here's, I'm going to add a trumpet. I'm going to add a flute. I'm going to reorchestrate it, yeah. so on and so forth. And essentially, it just became this massive thing that was all over social media. People were talking about it on Twitter. And... Uh, it got the stamp of approval of Pixar, of Disney, and also actors from the movie, like Patton Oswalt. Yes. Uh, I think it was Twitter. He tweeted about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was interest coming from a lot of different angles. A lot of people that were not on TikTok were talking about it. Yeah. All of the theater blogs and websites were talking about it. I mean, there was nothing else to talk about at the but time. But I think it's <laughs> like this perfect synchro- synchronization of events. I think that's true. But I also think it's like to, I mean, I'm not saying you're doing this, but I'm saying like to chalk it all up to the fact that like there was nothing else going on in theater. No, no, no. Is, that's not what right, I'm saying. No, I'm not yeah. saying that is what you're saying. Oh, that's important. But I think like it was definitely a factor, but I think like it's so interesting on its own that like, it transcended just like even just the songwriting component of it. Like like you were saying, mm-hmm. Trevor, there were people who are costume designers like sharing sketches, scenic designers oh, yeah. doing mock-ups. One of my people. favorite things was seeing like stage managers do fake like like calling oh, yeah. calling <laughs> cues for the number. Like everybody got to be creative because everybody had the time to the time and the talent to put into it at that time. And I think that's just like really cool. Yeah, it was. And I mean, it attracted some really big folks too. Yeah. Uh, Broadway producer Ken Davenport, uh, he made a video pitching that he wanted to produce it on Broadway. Mm. And then Kevin Chamberlain, right? Yeah. Yeah. And also Disney's Kevin Chamberlain. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's massive on TikTok. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. But I also thought it was interesting because, like, he is in this sort of Disney family. Like, he was on a Disney Channel show. Mm -hmm. And so, like, that also sort of felt like it was some level of official endorsement or, like, that his involvement could have been part of the reason Disney didn't shut it down. Well, if you think about this, Disney quite literally made their own videos with the music. So I remember Mm -hmm. there was the cast of... Oh gosh, uh, it's my niece and nephew love this movie, but it's it's like zo- zombie zombie prom. No, prom? that's a musical. That's a, that's a musical. <laughs> no, zombie zombie high or zombie, zombie high, high school, right? I yeah. think it's zombie high, but the actors from Zombie High are at the Ratatouille ride while with hard hats, and they're like <laughs> just making it. They're dancing to Remy the Ratatouille. And they were putting out these sorts of videos, which informally endorse. Of course, it's not yeah. an official, like, legal endorsement. Yeah. But it tells the creators, one, we see what you're doing. And two, we're in on it. Right. And also, the thing that, and we'll get to it with Bridgerton. But the thing that about this is, essentially, it's, and this is for fan studies folks, it's fan mm-hmm. fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, I was going to say, I was going to say, Danielle is like, they weren't going to shut it down. They really couldn't that's true in that iteration they couldn't there was no and it's not making money absolutely when you make money all of a sudden disney cares because they want to make the money Mm -hmm. and even when we if we skip to the actual production uh it was a Mm -hmm. benefit 
concert production mm-hmm. for the Actors Fund. And so... But it didn't make profit, like... Right. No one made money. For anyone else. Exactly. Well, I mean, they, the, the people were paid, but, yes. <laughs> you know, yes, yes, no yes. one was making royalties. Right. Because <laughs> it had exactly. an insane amount of viewers. I mean, mm-hmm. I do the number crunch in my book. Hashtag buy my book. Uh, but more people saw the Ratatouille musical in two days mm-hmm. than see a Broadway show in years. Mm. Right? And yeah. Yeah. And that's just single screens, right? Yeah. I didn't watch the Ratatouille musical. How long Shame. was it overall? I know. About an hour, <laughs> I think. Maybe a little over. It mm. was okay. no more than 60 minutes. Yeah. Well, it might have been like 50 I was just curious. I was just but curious. I think that was... So I, I did a group... Uh, I have a musical theater scholar group text, and we mm-hmm. will watch like the Tony Awards Incredible. together. We watch Incredible. Live streams. And we're all very knowledgeable. I'm like the mm-hmm. dumb one, actually. And I remember we watched it, and I also followed the conversation on Twitter, and people were like, wait, this is good. These songs mm-hmm. are good. This mm-hmm. score is cohesive. I like this. You know, people want to make fun of it, but actually, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, because, you know, something else I talk about a lot is for a long time, it still kind of happens, but it was extremely common before, let's say, 2022 where adults were dismissive of TikTok, right? Mm -hmm. We all heard our friends, like, it's just TikTok. It's just a silly thing. And so I think a lot of people viewed Ratatouille and they were ready to hate watch it. Yep. It's it's silly. It's kids. Also, think about the way that people talked about uh, Ratatouille. They would say, Gen Z, Gen Z, Gen Z. Well, guess Mm -hmm. what? Half of those composers were millennials. Yep. Woo-woo, go millennials. Yeah. Also, Kevin Chamberlain... He ain't no Gen Z. No. No, no, no. You know? Susicles, <laughs> Kevin were Chamberlain. So ready to, I know. But people were so ready to hate on this thing. Yeah. Because it was TikTok. And then that mm. score starts, the overture, and people were like, okay, okay, mommy. Yeah. You can't deny good content when good content exists. Yeah. And it was also perfectly done. I must say, shout out to Lucy Moss, yeah. who directed the the TikTok yes. musical and then Michael Breslin and mm-hmm. Patrick Foley who wrote the book. I mean, it was perfectly, they understood the assignment. They understood yeah. the style, the idiosyncratic humor. They understood what it was supposed to be. They didn't try to elevate it beyond what it should have been. And I know mm-hmm. um, I can't give you concrete stuff now, but there was mm-hmm. a lot of energy from Disney after to continue developing it yeah. into perhaps like an educational I'm sure. thing. Or, yeah. I'm sure. Well, they develop all of their work as like education, educational productions first. And like, I'm sure yeah, like yeah. A, the, a 60 minute Ratatouille was a great like primer for what could be for them. It was a proof of oh, concept. Yeah. And there's also like some really jokes in that musical that I cannot believe made it into that musical. <laughs> There's one where he said, I think Maria Testa as the chef says it. Oh yeah. Mary Testa like, being in it was wild. Oh, the cast was insane. It was so good. But uh, she says like, don't duck a l'orange it up. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's a Incredible. very Disney joke in that like, Oh yeah. It's, it's operating at multiple <laughs> levels for the, for the kids and the parents. Yeah, but I literally, because when I wrote my chapter on Ratatouille, I would listen. So I listen to whatever I'm writing about. Mm -hmm. So if I'm writing Mm -hmm. about six, I listen to six on repeat. I might change from the Broadway cast recording to London, but I would uh, listen to it on repeat. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. these are good songs. Yes. 
These are yeah. well-constructed musical theater songs. They are. Fully orchestrated, Incredible. like... No, but some of the ca- uh, the composers actually have gone on to, like, you know, more formal training. Or yeah. I know, like, Daniel Mertz left, mm-hmm. uh, signed a big contract with the agency after... Yeah. And yeah. the producer of the TikTok musical was Seaview. And I remember the CEO or, like, president, whatever he called was by... He made a few comments about how when they're looking for new talent, they're looking at TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's the way like MySpace used to be the thing for like record labels. (laughs) That's that's true. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Partial View Podcast. And we just want to take a minute to thank our patrons on Patreon right now. Sharon Stritch, we love you, Sharon. Hi, Sharon. We love you so much, Sharon. But did you know that Patreon has added a new option where you can join a Patreon for free? So if you head to patreon.com slash partialviewpod, you will now see a big pink button right at the top that says join for free. And what you will get if you follow our Patreon, which they're they're followers, not patrons, because it's free, you will get enhanced show notes that we're sort of treating as like a director's commentary of sorts on each episode Mm -hmm. we record. And you will also be added to our email newsletter, which we will be launching in early 2024. So get on that list now so you don't miss our updates. If you would like to join as a patron and not a follower, It starts for just $5 a month at our Thank You 5 tier, where you get a little shout out like we just gave Sharon and some bonus content as well. If you would like to increase to $8 a month, you'll be at our In The Mix tier, where you will get uh, everything from the $5 level plus a monthly bonus episode. At $20 a month, you're in our Equity Cot tier, where you get everything I just mentioned. Plus, we'll plug whatever project you're working on. Um, because if you're supporting us, we want to help support you. And finally, our $100 a month comp offer tier, where we'll treat you to a show, and then we'll chat with you about it. Over drinks, or alcoholic or not, dessert, snacks, whatever. All good things. So, again, that is patreon.com slash partialviewpod. Hope to see you there and back to the episode. Let's chat a little bit about Bridgerton. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I've never seen Jane the Virgin. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Bridgerton. I never watched mm. Bridgerton either. I have seen the Duke of Hastings. Mm-hmm. I am a fan. But I didn't watch the show. And so honestly, the Bridgerton TikTok phenomenon... I followed it from a purely academic perspective, but not personal. Yeah, I I actually did watch the show. I didn't care for season one, which would have been which was kind of like what started the 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 mania. Thirst. (laughs) Um, And I actually read the first book as well. I read I read what uh, the Duke and I by Julia Quinn, which is the first Bridgerton book, and that's what season one is pretty much based on. Not my jam, not my favorite thing, but I was weirdly into seeing how people would kind of make these parts their own on TikTok um, with the same, with this like little blueprint that Barlow and Bear were putting out with different 
with their different songs that they were coming up with for different moments. And again, I saw it largely as they were parodying musical theater with the song like if i were a man that's kind of like a that's that's an i want song and so and and my personal opinion is that it's not a great i want song it's catchy but it's it's fine and i was kind of just watching it evolve and watching this mania develop on tiktok around a, uh, honestly like a fandom that i wasn't really invested in at all. But just seeing everybody's different interpretations of everything, maybe it's because I was so theater starved at that point, but it really got me like coming back to it over and over and over. Like I finally kind of got the t- the mania of TikTok in that early 2021 period when these TikToks were going viral. Did you want to jump in about anything specific regarding Bridgerton? Yeah, well, I think what Ratatouille did was it yeah. showed the musical theater creator community on TikTok, or actually mm-hmm. not even on TikTok, just at large, that mm-hmm. TikTok was a viable space to create serious musical theater. Mm-hmm. And when okay. I say serious, I don't mean yeah. like Sondheim. I mean, you know, like, like the actual craft. musical theater beyond... Actual musical theaters. Yeah, right. this, was, so this think... was kind of the first attempt to really do that. It, I, th- I don't know if it was the first attempt, but mm, it was well, the first... Yeah successful attempt. Yes. Right? Yes, yes, yes. And it drew a lot of attention because you essentially had Barlow and Bear using TikTok as, I call it an out-of-town tryout. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where you're actually testing your music, you're putting out this concept album in the same way that Chess and uh, Jesus Christ Superstar and even like Waitress. Yeah. I don't know if Waitress counts, but Sarah Bareilles put Tommy, it out before it came out. maybe? Right? Yeah. Yeah, and you get feedback and before the show can actually open you get feedback about people liking it being interested in it is there Mm -hmm. energy to do this and in the case of barlow and bear you also got sort of the netflix stamp of approval but as you were saying i think alexandra said it you know if you're not making money from it and you're just sort of doing your thing it's just fan fiction Mm -hmm. yeah at that point so i had a i want to follow up on something so I think it's interesting, Alex, that you called it sort of like parody almost with Bridgerton Mm -hmm. and like parody of musical theater as opposed to parody of Bridgerton. Because by saying that, um, like, oh, like this is an I Want song, I think they were very seriously writing, like earnestly writing. I think so. And an I Want song and not parodying the concept i think ratatouille was more closer to parody of musical theater that's interesting i because i don't think that they were parodying bridgerton i don't either no 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 i'm saying but i'm saying i don't think that they were you're saying that they weren't parodying musical theater i i maybe that was just me putting a lens on it then Mm -hmm. it could be but let's look at this let's look at this if you're a young musical theater composer and you're looking to write a musical you study the form, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so if you look at, mm-hmm. let's look at Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you two, they had never written a musical theater score and they have not written one since. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wonder why. Bono talks about how when he was, <laughs> Bono <laughs> talks about how when they were, or when he was writing the music, he essentially had a stack of songs that fit each sort of, uh, I don't know what we're calling them, a type of musical theater song. An I Want 
song, uh, so on and so forth. And he studied those and then tried to write mm-hmm. his versions of that mm-hmm. within the Spider-Man world. And so Barlow and Bear are essentially doing the same thing. So I see what you're saying. I guess. I guess. I felt like there was a tone mismatch between <laughs> the music that was being put on TikTok and what I was seeing on Netflix. And I thought that that was intentional, but maybe it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It might Maybe not. it wasn't. I don't know. It felt much more modern. And contemporary. Well, that's very like, true. If you were going to make it, if you were going to make it an earnest attempt, I would have. I, I think that there would have been more of a an attempt to match, you know, the the verbiage and. Well, I don't know because, like, about, look like, at Anne Juliet. Like, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe not. Like Anne Juliet's not. Awakening? Yeah, and like Anne Juliet's <laughs> not a parody of Romeo. It's not really like mocking Romeo and Juliet. It's a very smart. No, show. it's not. It's not. I just felt like the music, I think that what it comes down to is that I didn't feel like the music was really making much of a statement. Sure. And you can take that however you want. And so, and so therefore, I thought that it was much more of a playful uh, atmosphere. I'll be honest. I, I agree. I felt like the Bridgerton musical, musically, I was not interested in it. It's just kind of boring. I think what's interesting for me as a distinction, yeah, as a distinction between Ratatouille and Bridgerton is that Ratatouille was like a playground for the creatives, like for the Mm -hmm. like behind the scenes creatives. Like it was all the composers, Mm -hmm. designers, etc. Whereas Bridgerton became a playground for the performers. Like you were pointing out, Alex, is mm-hmm. like you were seeing all of the different yeah. takes on the same song by different performers, like and and major performers too, like Betsy Wolf. That's true. Yeah. Speaking of Anne Juliet, I love what you said, Trevor, about like. Barlow and Bear using TikTok as the out-of-town tryout, though, because I really had not thought of it that way, and that's so true. And you can see, I mean, obviously, like, they leveled up to an album. They leveled up to a staged concert production. like. And it also put the industry into a place where people now understand, if I'm a musical theater composer and I don't get the big fellowship or the big grant mm-hmm. or have the connection this is a space where I can be seen, where I can get my work yeah. out and maybe get interest. And so, yeah. for instance, I'm working with a composer team, two women who have a dynamite new musical, and they're trying to find a producer. And so we're actually mm-hmm. working on their TikTok account, right? Mm-hmm. And putting the stuff on TikTok. And you have yeah. composers, like there's a, uh, someone in England, Gus Gowland, who I think is great, who puts his musicals on TikTok. And they're great mm. musicals. You know, That's and great. so you document the process. And the sexiest example of this, we're not talking about the Duke of Hastings anymore, uh, mm-hmm. is Jorge Herranz, right? The musical Epic. And he has like 500,000 followers on TikTok, and his account is just about sharing the songs, the behind the scenes process of writing the songs, the world of the musical, so on and so forth. It's like a very cool evolution from crowdfunding. Yeah. Well, I was going to say this is super interesting because this is like in undergrad. I wrote a whole, did a whole independent study on YouTube's influence on indie musical theater Mm -hmm. at the time. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to, like, I interviewed 
Kate Kerrigan and Brie Loudermilk. I interviewed Joe Iconis. I interviewed Adam <laughs> Guan. Um, I talked to all those people about the uh, what they saw the like how they saw the purpose, like what their intention was behind sharing their music on YouTube and these concert videos on YouTube. Um, and now it's like TikTok has essentially usurped YouTube as the platform mm-hmm. for that, which is also interesting because it is so time constrained. It's less time constrained than it was. It's now up to three minutes, but there are songs longer than three minutes. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a natural progression, I think. And what TikTok does that so many other apps don't do, what YouTube does not do is it brings people to the content, right? TikTok knows more about you than you know about yourself, mm-hmm. right? It knew you were gay before you knew you were gay. And so it, it's the same with musical theater fandom. So for instance, a lot of people say, oh, you know, Heather's was massive on Tumblr and Tumblr did this and Tumblr mm-hmm. did that. But on Tumblr, you have to know where to find it. You have to know how to find it's that true. fandom. Someone has to recommend it to you or whatever it might be. On TikTok, it comes directly to you. And so you have all of these people doing the same sort of things they did on YouTube. It's very much a lineage, but it's now being done in a much more uh, eyeball-y way, right? More people Mm -hmm. are watching it. It has more potential. It's on our phones. It's accessible. Also, something that TikTok does that no other app did before it was it let you download a video. Right. That was the default setting unless you changed it. Now apps are evolving, but for a long time, you had to like be savvy, Mm -hmm. yada, yada, to get a video. Now I can like download it, send it to Danielle, and she's great. But a lot of young people, speaking of all, you know, Guan and Louderman and folk, Joe Iconis, Mm -hmm. a lot of young people like BFA students or young musical theater actors, they literally use TikTok as their senior cabaret, essentially, right? They're going to get seen. They're going to grow a following. And also we're seeing that casting decisions are factoring in social media followings yes. these days. Yes. Right? Yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast episode, I think, like that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot to be said about that. Something that also occurred to me that I want to point out is that Barlow and Bear didn't write a musical. They wrote a compilation of songs. <laughs> and I, I just find that so I find that really interesting in terms of like what people are getting out of TikTok regarding musical theater and like what goes into a musical. No, you're absolutely correct. And if we look at those concept albums that I mentioned before, mm-hmm. yes. whether it's Chess or Jesus Christ Superstar, mm-hmm. those are sung through shows or very close mm-hmm. to sung through shows. That's true. And so you get most of that storytelling on the album, whereas yeah. something like Bridgerton I imagine it's not a sung through. There's no Netflix dialogue that needs to be lifted. Or it's like with Jesus Christ Superstar, if you are lifting dialogue, it's, uh, you know, the Bible. And so there's no copyright. (laughs) (laughs) There is some dialogue on the cast recording. And I actually don't know if it's from Netflix. I don't know the Netflix show well enough to say if it's from Netflix or if they wrote it. I think they wrote it because it doesn't quite jive with what I've observed on Netflix. If we think about the best musicals and we the three of us Mm -hmm. would have a very different list but the Mm -hmm. thing that will be a through line in those shows is the books are going to be good Mm -hmm. the books apply people think the objectives oh yeah but people think like jukebox shows they think that jukebox shows yeah 
are automatically going to be a success. And all of these jukebox musicals mm-hmm. that are massive flops all have bad mm-hmm. books. Oh, I could rant about this for a million That's years. True. It's like Mamma Mia is successful because it didn't yeah. take itself too seriously. It understood what it was and it wasn't aspiring to be something mm-hmm. else. And to bring up the show you mentioned a few minutes ago, Anne Juliet, Anne Juliet has a great book. Yes. I think. Exactly. It has a terrific book that is way smarter than it has any right to be. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out if there's anything else we want to like chat about regarding Bridgerton. This isn't specific to Bridgerton, but just like sort of as mm-hmm. a final one of the or penultimate question yeah. for both um, to wrap it up is like this, what do we think would be required for continued development of either Ratatouille or Bridgerton and like you know would like how would a hypothetical production happen like as far because like we acknowledge neither one is really a full show yeah at least by traditional standards well I think it would have to the energy would have to come from the IP so Netflix would have to initiate that conversation in the same way that Pixar slash Disney would have to for Ratatouille. Or I don't know if Netflix owns like the theatrical, the stage, right, like right, the stage right. rights to because it's a Julia book, Quinn's right. novels. But like if Emily, if Emily Bear and Abigail Barlow want to approach Julia Quinn about turning her books into a musical, I'm sure they're free to do that. Mm-hmm. Or they might be free to do that. We don't, I, who knows but they need to not lift dialogue from netflix something i think that this goes back to is like it sounds like what we're all saying is that next steps would have to happen off of tiktok which seems like a very obvious thing to say but i think like it speaks to sort of i guess like the limitations of it um in that it is it'll generate buzz and attention and eyeballs and is a great platform for showcasing like creative work but at a certain point I think because and this is something similar like I'm speaking off the cuff here like this isn't something I've pre-thought about this is something I'm like thinking through out loud now but it's that you know in the same way that we all got incredibly sick of watching like live streamed theater over the course of the pandemic and that it sparked all these debates about like is zoom theater actually theater etc 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 these examples of tiktok musicals are fascinating as far as like a new way of generating collaboration and collaborative relationships and new material but ultimately like for something to be a musical in the traditional quote-unquote or like fully realized sense it needs to Mm -hmm. come off of tiktok and be an in-person collaboration and in-person event well that's Mm -hmm. that's true (laughs) <laughs> I also think it depends on what you think a musical is or what you think yeah. a yeah. musical no, exactly. needs to be. Because if you think about it, we have examples like Star Kid, AV Byte, yep. especially yeah. Star Kid, mm-hmm. right? Where they were putting these musicals on YouTube and that was the end goal at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. Well, but they were happening on a stage. Right. But the goal, ultimate goal was this is going to live on mm-hmm. Vimeo, on YouTube, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, there have been musicals on TikTok 
like Mexican Pizza, the musical with Dolly Parton and Doja oh, Cat. Yeah. And oh, I've, yeah, I've heard. Barlow yeah. and Bear wrote that, and that mm-hmm, the entire goal that. of that eighteen-minute musical was this is going to live on TikTok. It was very polished, yeah. in the same way that Ratatouille was polished, and it just lived on on TikTok. Mm-hmm. It's now like oh, you know what? And that also makes me think of just to <laughs> more Lin Manuel Miranda Heights Cool Musical too. Oh, yeah. And also yes. 21 Chump Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, 21 Chump Street lives on through YouTube. Yeah. And so yeah, that's true. All of these things are valid. Now, at the end of the 100%. day, a lot of people no, want yeah. that Broadway musical, but I don't think every musical needs to be on stage. Hundred percent. I think I'm thinking about, like, mm-hmm. specifically Ratatouille and Bridgerton, where they seemed to have those aspirations for those particular pieces or especially with Bridgerton, had those aspirations. Oh, no, I think Ratatouille as well. But it's very waiting for Guffman. (laughs) Right, and so it's like, I wonder, like, it's like in that case, like, it is 100% valid, like, totally agree with everything you said about, like, yeah, like, it's still a musical if you have crafted it and, like, your intention with it is for it to be Mm -hmm. this 18-minute thing that lives on this platform. Yeah. But... For the what for the things that were developed using TikTok initially that have aspirations of being like a two hour musical that is on stage and fully realized, um, mm-hmm. there comes a point where it's just like the limitation of the platform comes into play and you're like, Oh, well, pretty quickly you have to You need money. It you need money and it gets bigger than TikTok can support. And there I don't think there's much energy around epic even though Haran's has all these followers mm-hmm. the uh, iTunes Spotify it has all of these hundreds of thousands of uh, streams that's actually not a lot of streams has hundreds of thousands of videos on TikTok <laughs> using the song <laughs> millions of streams uh, but I don't think there's much energy because it's it's an insanely long musical it's like a truly epic it's the odyssey so but I think what I'm seeing from these composers I'm working with, people like Gus Gowland, there's other folks, is that they are not using the IP anymore. (laughs) They are very much writing original musicals or things that they have permission to write uh, if they need permission. And they're using TikTok as a way to really build those audiences and do the work from the ground up before the show even reaches a rehearsal room or stage feels like more mm-hmm. traditional a more traditional use of social media marketing mm-hmm. just on uh, evolving to be on a new platform like because like i was saying that's how like you know people were using maybe myspace and then tumblr and then what am i th- what platform was i gonna say there's been so many friendster but yeah and then yeah. and then instagram etc it's like YouTube is what I was going to say. Um, but like giving these teasers, these sneak peeks, these behind the scenes glimpses and like yeah. all of that, it's like taking the same content that has sort of always worked on some level, but moving it where the audience is. Mm-hmm. And it helps audiences have that buy-in. Mm-hmm. They have an emotional connection to that creator. Yeah. They want to support them kind of like play tested with these pro with these projects that centered around IP that we could all kind of get behind and gravitate towards like the IP was what we kind of like were gravitating towards I feel like and now it's like oh well that worked 
you know, like Bridgerton won a Grammy, things like that. And so we're able to like, I don't know, I'm really, I think it's really interesting that like these projects kind of showed everyone what TikTok is capable of. Oh, they were total game changers for the theater industry. And I really think Mm -hmm. that they've shaped the way that people approach social media today. I've just been thinking about what you said earlier, Trevor, about how they're like for Ratatouille, it was like almost like we were crowdsourcing the musical that like via our engagement with the videos because like bad songs just wouldn't get the engagement. Mm -hmm. But then I'm like, what if it was like American Idol version where it's like truly like a formalized, like we're voting. Oh my God. Well, I mean, it kind of was formalized. That could be, yeah, like that could be so fun. Or Or like using the form as almost like a choose your own adventure. Yeah. Well, if you go to the power, the power of the algorithm is so crazy. Well, I'll give you two quick stories. One, if you yes. go to YouTube and you look up Ratatouille, the TikTok musical, there are several compilations that yeah. are not mm. the canon actors fun concert mm-hmm. where people mm. essentially were like, yeah. oh, this is the musical. And most of it's the same songs. Yeah. But there's songs that didn't yeah. make the cut. Right. Uh, yeah. Because there is people felt like they had that ability. And the other thing I'll say is I think IP was necessary for TikTok to develop as a musical theater platform because at the end of the day, if I come up here and say, hey, I'm writing a musical about books and how I have all these books and here's the plot, yada, yada. It takes a lot of work to get people in a place where Mm -hmm. they can create content for that idea. Whereas Ratatouille, Mm -hmm. everyone's seen it. I'm going to write a song about this character, this scene, this idea. It's like developing anything these days is that like everyone... It's kind of like the same idea that like IP will make a music will be the basis of a successful musical, a successful movie. It reminds me of like what when we had Alexis Shear on, she was talking about working on like kind of I think like pitching projects, or like submitting her scripts places, and, like, and everyone kept being like, well, wh- where's the built-in audience? Like, where's the built-in audience? And that's kind of what Ratatouille and Bridgerton were able to provide so that we could like figure out how to fully utilize TikTok as a musical theater But tool. then it also interestingly cool. Cool. like they have like inverse pros and cons I feel like it's like yeah no for sure the, um, if you're just sort of like an individual writer or single writing team developing this musical based on IP independently and working with producers who are like great, this has a built-in audience. We're going to do it. But there's, like, none of that sort of crowd testing Mm -hmm. to say, like, this is working or this isn't working. And then the inverse of, like, you have that sort of thumbs up, thumbs down, like, almost like survival of the fittest song Mm -hmm. on TikTok um, that, like... We've tried it with, uh, like, existing IP, and now it has been sort of primed or, like, people now understand its capabilities and the possibility Mm -hmm. of the form and are able to use it for original content or, like, not based on existing IP in a way that, like, it's sort of been pilot tested already. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, right now we just had the Great Gatsby musical from Paper Mill Playhouse. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. they very much documented the entire process from rehearsal to closing night on TikTok. And they have over Mm 30,000 followers on this TikTok Mm -hmm. account. 
so they can go to producers and say, hey, we have a built-in audience. Look at these views. We have millions of views. Jeremy Jordan, call me. And mm-hmm. <laughs> people like this. So even if the musical got not great reviews and word of mouth was not great, they have this data that shows that there is interest to some capacity in this property. Mm-hmm. And that goes a long way. Yeah. And it's the same way for these actors like J.J. Neiman, who has almost mm-hmm. a million yes. followers on TikTok and uh, Amber Artelino. Mm-hmm. I was going right? to say Amber next. Yeah. Yeah. They have power and the numbers don't lie. It is data that And because they're both that. in Back to the Future, which like, again, is another yes. thing that got like, you know, mixed to negative reviews, but they're essentially keeping like they're cultivating going. fandom and keeping yeah. it alive uh via t- their tiktoks i'm just gonna push push back as a huge back to the future fan that also the back to the future fandom for sure is rampant and they're doing a lot of smart things surrounding that fandom i mean in the sense of them like showing those backstage peaks and like also very yes also very you good. know all of that i think we've really covered like everything we were kind of hoping yeah. to I, I still feel like we only scratched the surface like we will have to read all of your books. Yes, I really to want really to. Compl- I am dying for this for this one, and you, that's coming out fandom in the in the digital age. I can't wait. So yeah, speaking of Trevor, plug plug your stuff. Yeah. Plug whatever you want. Plug the your floor's stuff. yours. It's plug time, and I'm gonna do it in a song. No, I'm just kidding. So I have <laughs> next in December 2023. I have a short book, a short and sweet book called Social Media in Musical Theater. That's very much just an intro to this phenomenon. I talk about YouTube, twi- TikTok, and Twitter. Uh, but the big book comes out next year. It's called TikTok Broadway mm-hmm. Musical Theater Fandom in the Digital Age. And I give this very expansive history of social media and musical theater. And then I hone in on these TikTok trends. And the book very much is about popular musicals. Beetlejuice, Six, Heathers, Legally Blonde, Hamilton, In the Heights. Wicked, Wicked, shout out to Wicked. And also I look at Ratatouille and K-pop as well, the musical K-pop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really excited about that. And I'm on all the social media platforms. You can look me up. I'm Dr. D-R-B-O-F-F-O-N-E, Dr. Buffoni. And that's where you can find me. Incredible. Amazing. I can't wait. I can't wait until I can go buy that book at Drama Bookshop. Yay. Uh, Yay. Yay, DBS. I think that's the end. That's it. Did we solve it? Did we solve (laughs) all of TikTok musical fandom? We, of course we did. Oh, (laughs) God. It's solved. No longer a question. It's solved. Or issue insight. Incredible. Now I can feel I can download TikTok or re-download TikTok and go forth confidently. (laughs) Alex, you really need to give it another shot. Oh, God. I don't have time for another social media. I have a podcast, Danielle. (laughs) (laughs) In case you didn't realize. All right. Well, great. Everybody go follow Trevor on all the socials and order his books that are already out and pre-order the books that are coming out. And for as far as us, Partial View Pod, rate, review, and subscribe on all the places that you get your podcasts. And follow us on all the social medias. Yeah. And tune in next time. We're going to solve another big question in Thank you, Trevor. Bye. Any opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and do not reflect the views of our or our guests, employers, or clients. 
For more of our opinions and other theater-related content, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and pretty much everywhere else at Partial View Pod. You can also find and support us on Patreon. I'm on Twitter at Danielle underscore Fetter and on Instagram at Danielle.Fetter. Follow me there. And I tweet and post pictures of my theater programs and books at Alexandra D.N.